we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where we see what God thinks about us. Where we see what God, what's on God's mind when he thinks about you. And it's a verse. It's found, and it's, it's so popular, you see it at football games. You see it um, everywhere, right? Like anywhere somebody holds a sign. Anybody know what that sign is? What, 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 what scripture could that possibly be? That's John 3.16, right? I mean, wrestlers use it, right? Um, remember that guy, Austin 3.16? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is super popular, super. But we're going to look at it. And if, if you go, oh, you know what? I know this verse. I'm going to check out. This is all right. Listen, let me tell you something. This, we're going to look at it hopefully with new lenses. And I pray that you would stick around to see what God thinks about when he has you on his mind. What is God's attitude towards you? And you go, you know, I've blown it. I've, listen, maybe you don't know. You, I, I already know. I'm not, you know, I, if you could know. Listen, as soon as I bring this up, so what people want to do is they want to they do confession and say, no, 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 God cannot think of me in this way. God cannot think kind thoughts about me. Because here, this is what happened last year. This is what happened 20 years ago. This is what happened last night. And I'm just telling you, that's, that's not the right view when you're thinking about how God views you. So we're going to read this one verse together. You can stand. It's part of our tradition to stand. We're going to focus on one verse. Verse 16. Let's read together. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Please have a seat. This is God's Word. So if you're like me and you were convinced that God wanted nothing to do with you and that God is angry with you, if you're like me, how do you... How, well, the, the, the solution, of course, is to go into the Scripture... And we see here, so Jesus is having a conversation. It's a conversation with one of the religious leaders of his time. His name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus, as he speaks to Nicodemus, he's having this conversation, and he's talking about spiritual things. Nicodemus is talking about, hey, man, you're saying some new things. We want to hear more. What do you? And Jesus says, oh, man, well, you have to be born of the Spirit. And he goes, hey, who can be who can go back into their mother's womb? And Jesus starts to correct some of his thinking and starts to try to help him to understand. By the way, that's important for us to know because many of us have been on this Christian journey. And I'm telling you, everything that you know about God is wrong. I know you're sitting here and you go, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I promise you, everything you know about God is wrong. And sometimes we are in uh, a community of believers and grace has not sunk deep down into our souls. We still think, we still think we're like the little puppies at, um, at Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus that have to jump through hoops in order to get the applause of heaven. We still think that we need to try harder, do better. We still, some of us think that we have ideas and views that are contrary to the scriptures. 
And so as we look at this verse, I want you to just be open that maybe what you think about God is not what he thinks about you. It says, for God so loved the world. Now, this, this phrase, so loved, is incredible. So what does God think when he thinks of you? Love. Love. But here's the thing. When you and I think of love, we have a fractured view of what that might be. Isn't that true? I mean, just think of your relationships. Think of how you receive love. Think of how you give love. When we think of love, it can be fractured and broken. God's, God's love is perfect and pure. His view of loving you is profound and beautiful. Keeping the rules, don't keep the rules. Doing well, not doing well. It's the reason why we're having the new series that starts next week. The reason why we're having that series is because so many of us view God's love attached to our performance. We don't think that God so loves us. We think that God is okay with us so long as we keep the rules, do the right thing, do, you know, whatever your uh, thing is. And then others of us, we think that God's love means that he never corrects, that he never guides, that he never. But let me tell you something. God doesn't love you like the fake love that you give and receive. God loves you like the real love that he extends to you. You see, when you fake love someone, you could watch them go into a dark place, move into the wrong direction. And when you fake love them, the response is, you see them going in that direction, you know there's pain to be had there, but you're like, hey man, I just want to support you. I just want to help you out, man. If that's what feels good to you, man, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm there for you. Listen to me. That's not real love. That's not so love. See, when you love somebody and you see them going into the wrong direction, oh my goodness, right? Flailing hands, risen voice, like it's, and by the way, this, this explains, this explains um, why sometimes in the times that God is loving you the best, you feel him the least. Because when God is loving you best, when he's correcting you, when he's transforming you, when he's addressing a particular issue in your life, when he's going, hey, listen, you're, listen, beloved, beloved, listen, Susie, the problem is, is that you want the approval of this more than you want joy in me. So I'm going to have to take it from you. And you think that it's like a punishment from God and it's like a gift from God, from his love. Maybe, maybe in the midst of your relationship in your family, God is trying to teach you something that your control cannot usurps God's control. Because God doesn't love, he so loves. Maybe, maybe when you see yourself going into a, a, and it's your dream, and man, if I just had this dream, I'd be able to. 
be more generous, and I'd be able to have more security. And you think, oh man, all of my dreams would come true. And God is going, no, 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 see, that's the problem. The problem is, is that your dreams are wrapped up in stuff, and I want you to be wrapped up in your Savior. You see, God so loves. And because God so loves, it sometimes doesn't feel like the love that you and I experience with one another. But God so loves you. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Now, let's pause for a second here. So here's the deal. I the very first book I ever read as an adult, it's pretty profound, it was um, A Tale of Two Cities. Not a huge book, took me nine months to read. When I first, when I first, uh, I, I, I belonged to a 12-step program, when I first got clean, I had like a third grade reading level. And so I had to learn how to read and learn how to grow and all that other stuff. And after years of reading comic books, that's what God used to help me grow in reading, after years of reading comic books, um, that's right, Batman has no chance against Superman. There's none, not even close. So, after years of reading comic books, my, my comprehension got better and all that other stuff, and I started to, I said, you know what, I'm going to read all the classics. It was just something that was birthed in me, and it was cool. I started to read, the first book that I read was Tale of Two Cities. And at the, and, and, uh, spoiler alert, all right, if you haven't read the Tale of Two Cities, I'm about to mess it up for you. In the Tale of Two Cities, I remember reading the last page like 30 times. It made me cry every time because there was a sacrifice that was made at the end of the book for someone who did not, he did not deserve to get executed, but he was being executed in the place of someone else for no other reason than love. It was mind-blowing. I wasn't in Christ, but it moved me deeply. Every time we see that, we're moved deeply. When you see it in the movies, you're moved deeply. When you read it in books, when you see somebody sacrificing themselves, in listen, if you grew up in a really broken structure, and you know, you were doing criminal stuff, and you see one guy take the rap for everybody else, that person is held in honor. He's also forgotten about and not visited in jail, but he's held in honor. Right. Yeah, right. And so, um, so, but yeah, so, okay, well, never mind. So, but, but the point is, the point is, in every culture, we have an idea of uh, esteeming a substitute. Someone who pays the penalty, someone who endures the punishment, someone who takes the place for the punishment penalty that we deserve. See, God's love is costly. Now, remember what I said before about how God so loved, so obey the rules, don't obey the rules. Do right, don't do right. Read your scriptures, don't read your scriptures. Pray, don't pray. God so loved. See, when many of us hear that, we think of cheap love. We think, we go, oh man, if this is true, then I don't have to do anything. Man, what's, what's to keep me from drinking myself into a stupor? Hey, God loves me. So, you know, looking for love in every bed I can find. Hey, God loves me. Hey, you know, smoking crack until my brain explodes. Hey, God loves me. Right? 
there's a sense in us that when we, when we find out that, there's, that God's love is total, there's a sense where it, in us it takes away the idea of wanting to love God back. Listen, it's because we don't understand the cost of that love. So what does God think about when he thinks about you? He thinks love, but it was a costly love. A love, so here's God, right? So we believe, as Christians, we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Not three gods, three persons, one God. We'll probably do a series on the Trinity uh, sometime. It's a, it's a massive, but I'm telling you, it's an amazing amazing um, truth that will help us to learn to love each other better. It's an amazing truth that helps us to grow in love with God. It's an amazing truth. But here it is. So the son, the father and the son decide before, before time began, knowing that you and I would desperately need a savior. Said, there's a penalty that needs to be paid. There's a penalty that needs to be paid because you and I cannot go into heaven we cannot go into heaven with our sin, or else heaven would be like earth. That's why we can't, that's why God can't let you and me into heaven. Because there's already a place where you and me are, and it's not so hot, right? It's not so good. And so if God let you and me like into heaven, it would be like earth, and that would be a painful place. So God says, wait. I'm going to take the place. I'm going to take the penalty for their sin. This is amazing. Think about it this way. Um, Guys, all the chefs in the room, what would happen if you take an onion and you put it in your refrigerator? Like if you just cut an onion in half and then you just put it in your refrigerator, what would happen? Anybody know? Chefs? It would make the whole refrigerator smell like an onion, right? Okay, now this is very important. This is why you and I cannot be led into heaven the way we are. Because we would stink up high heaven. Right? Everything would stink. Right. Okay. Now watch this. Now watch this. So what do you do if you're going to put an onion in the refrigerator? What do you do? Ziploc it. Saran wrap it. Right? You somehow seal it. Now, pause for a second. If you think about saran wrap or Ziploc, you have a good idea of the Old Testament system of sacrifice for your sin. It didn't change you. It didn't stop you from smelling. It just contained your stink. Right? Are we flowing? Do you, are we getting the, what we're saying here? I'm trying to keep this. Okay, I'm trying to put the cookies on the low shelf. I really want us to get this because this is huge for John 3.16. Um, so when we think about, you know, when you look at the Old Testament and you see the sacrificial system where uh, a sheep is slaughtered for the sake of the people, and you go, oh, poor sheep, no, no, no. So it kind of covered their sin, but it didn't transform them. It didn't make them new. And keeping, let's keep the analogy because it's a good one. Um, but if you, if you were going to, see, if you opened up an onion, if you peeled back an onion all the way, what would you get? Nothing. There's no core at all in the onion, right? It's like you peel it back and there's nothing. But what if you put a seed in that onion? 
in the middle of that onion. If it was an apple seed, you'd get apples. You would get something completely different than what the onion is. You would get transformation. If you see that, you get a great idea of what Jesus did on the cross. He doesn't just wrap up your sin. He doesn't just contain your stink. He doesn't just keep you the way you are. He transforms you into something that you're not. Into what the Bible says is the likeness of Christ. In other words, you become more and more like Jesus. This is awesome news. Because God so loved you, he was not going to be satisfied with just containing your stink. He wasn't going to be satisfied with just keeping you the way you were. What he did was he deposited the blood of Christ on your life and ours, transforming us into someone we are not, into the likeness of Christ. That's why God can say, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And that when we receive this beautiful, beautiful gift from God, the word says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, the seed grows. It becomes something different. How long can, a, how long can a, an onion last, right? I don't know, right? You guys know better, right? If, if you have an onion outside, how long can it last? Not long. But if, if a tree starts growing in that onion, oh my gosh. It not only becomes something, it lasts and lasts and lasts. You see, there, God is making a new creation. And that's why, that's why when we hear that God's love is true and perfect and without and doesn't need your qualification and doesn't need your help and God's love doesn't need you to try harder and do better and make you know and all that other stuff when we hear that what it does in the Christ follower is it goes oh my goodness you did all of that for me you see it's 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 not fear that changes us it's his love that transforms us so when, we, so when we're having the argument with our spouse, and they're completely wrong on every possible conceivable level. In every, right, yeah, right. And so when we see that, we go, wait, 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 wait. God so loved me that when I was wrong on every possible conceivable level, he bestowed sacrifice and love. He loved me into transformation. Oh, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is for you. It's a gift to you. And it comes from God. And it's for everyone Come one, come all. And you go, but I'm not good enough. You, you haven't been listening to the message. Of good enough. Good night. We know you're not good enough. It's why you're here. <laughs> Nobody comes. Up. It's not been my experience. It's not been my experience that people start coming to church. If you haven't had a history of going to church, it's not been my experience that people come to church. Um, and when I say come to church, gather with the believers. It's not been my experience because they have everything going well and perfect and right. 
People usually, go, you know, God is usually the last house on the block. Right? God is usually the last stop. Listen, if you're here, here's one thing we know about you. You're a mess. And that is such good news. Hey, look, look. We know your marriage is a mess. Stop pretending. We know you're not that good of a parent. Stop acting like you are. Right? We know that. Listen, we know that you're not that good of a spouse. We know that you're not that good of an employee. We know that. And so what that does, if we take this scripture and we take it deep, we say, oh, my gosh, it's all a gift from God. You know what that does for us? That means there's no room. There's no room for depression. Listen to what I mean by this. You go, but nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. I'm all alone, and I've gotten no help. Wait, there's one. There's one whose opinion matters more than everybody else. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I'm walking down the street, and I've had this happen, if I'm walking down the street and somebody curses at me or curses me out, I go, what a weird person. And I keep it moving, right? I go, that's crazy. They obviously don't know me. But if my wife says those exact same words, you loser, you awful person, starts cursing me, that would give me cause for pause because she knows me well. She knows me better than anybody else. Jesus knows you better than anybody else. And he so loves you. He so loves you. So it removes, when we get this deep in our hearts, it removes depression. And, and this is coming from a person who suffers from depression. And so I struggle with this. And so getting this deeper into my heart, just recently I said, God, I feel the depression coming on. Would you get this truth deeper into my heart? Because I know the deeper this gets into my heart, the, the weaker my depression becomes. Because what can my depression tell me? Oh, you're a loser. You're awful. You're the, I know! And Jesus still loves me. Isn't that good news? Like, oh man, you're just an addict and you're just this and you just messed up and you just, I know. And he thinks I'm better than sliced bread. Like, isn't that wonderful? It's awesome. But not only does it get rid of our feeling less than, it also gets rid of our pride and arrogance. So that when you're reading your Bible and that you're praying your prayers and you see somebody who simply can't get it, you go to them in tears and you go, brother, let me love you. Let me help you. Let me serve you. Not, when are you going to get this already? When are you going to finally get it together? You know why? Because we're so bad that somebody had to die for us. And when you're that bad, like it's one thing if somebody had to pay your ticket. It's another thing if you were so bad that somebody had to do a couple of years in jail for you. That's like, wow, that's pretty bad. Somebody had to experience the death penalty for you? Oh, my goodness. You're that bad? Wow. And so when we look at other people, we go, they're not as bad as me. They're not as bad as me because I needed somebody to face the death penalty for me. You see how beautiful that is? This is true love. This is the love that's not only true, it's thorough. 
This is the love that's not only giving, but piercing. This is the love that transforms and makes us new. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So let me just say for in three minutes this. There are those who are perishing, man. There are those who are perishing. Why? Why? Because the good news is not something that they desire or want or pursue. And here's the good news. If you're here, I'm telling you, if you're here, you go, I don't know if God could ever love me. If you're here, I'm, I promise you, I promise you, if you're listening to this, this is God's attempt to pursue you. This is God's attempt to love you. This is God's attempt to let you know, bro, sis, I'm for you. I love you. I want you to, you've been doing it on your own for too long. You go, oh, but I live this lifestyle. Listen, I love you. Come here. I love you. Oh, but I have this. Listen, come here. I love you. God pursues and loves. But there are those who are perishing. And my prayer is, is that if you're here and you're perishing, you would, you would be alerted to that fact. That this wouldn't be like, oh, here he goes, fire and brimstone. I don't know. Listen to me. Listen to me. I am not. Man, I wish you could see. I wish I could open up my chest and you could see my heart. I just, I, I want you to know the love of Jesus. I want you to know the love of Jesus that is greater than any love you've ever known. That meets you in your depression and lowers you down a couple of notches in your arrogance, that has, has you depend not on your finances, not on your good looks, not on your youth, not on your education, not on your clean time, not on your good works, not on any of those things, but has you depend on Christ. I, I, I wish I could convince you of that. But for the next two minutes, I'm going to speak as strongly as I can, because I am not rational looking when my son has like a fork in his hand and is investigating if an if a outlet can be taken apart, right? I am not. If my son is at the top of the stairs and I see him with a cape on and it looks like he's going to jump, I am not rational. I am not rational. I am very, very. So uh, for two minutes, I want, I want to be want to love you well. I, I do you no favors as your pastor if I don't tell you this perishing part. I love you. And I want you, to, I want you to know that and experience that. So there are those that are perishing. We go, that's not fair. This is why I can't believe in heaven. This is the reason why I do. This is the reason why I do. Those that are perishing simply want, what do you get when you get heaven or hell? You simply get a little bit more of what you wanted here on earth. If you wanted to know Jesus, you get to know Jesus. And you grow in that in heaven when you die. If you want nothing to do with Jesus, God's not going to force that on you. God goes, okay, fine. And that's what hell is. 
And God had no other way than to describe hell. He was trying to describe hell. God knew no other way than to say, okay, it's like the worst thing you can imagine. Being separated from God is like, and this, is, this speaks to me because I've struggled with depression my whole life. Um, it's like being depressed at your lowest point, can't get out of bed. When you're depressed at your lowest point, can't get out of bed, it's worse than that. That's what hell is like. It's the loss of hope because God is hope. And when you lose God, you lose hope. But you go, I don't, I don't know God. I don't, I don't want anything to do with God. On this earth, you get grace. You get the grace. It's just like, right, if you're a farmer and you're a wicked farmer, the rain comes down on your field just like it does on the saintly person. Hope. Hope comes to those who love God and don't love God. You see? But in, in hell, it's not those who are perishing. It's not like that. There's no hope. And I, some of us know what it's like. Um, I remember, I remember um, you know, friends say things like, oh, yeah, you know, I want to go to hell because all of my friends are going to be there. I just, I go, I don't know. It's like, it's like when kids tell me, yeah, I could take the consequences, and then the consequences come and they lose their minds, right? You go, uh, I don't know. I've seen this before. It doesn't end well. They say, oh, it's like, let me tell you something. If you got, think about this. Some of you know what it's like to get exactly what you want over and over and over again, and it destroy your life. We call it addiction. Imagine that being your life for eternity. So, Jesus goes, hey, I got a better plan. I'll give you a desire for, for having a relationship with me. I'll do all the work. I'll come from heaven to earth, live the life that you should have lived but didn't, die the death that you deserve to die but don't have to. I'll do all of that. Then I'll send my spirit to call you to myself. Then when you come to me, I'll put my spirit in you to give you new desires and longings to change your life. Then when you get to heaven, I'll take care of you and love you. And listen, so watch. So if God is saying, God goes, I'll do everything. I'll do it all. So here's, so here's it. Right, watch this, watch this. You know what our response should be to that? Fair deal. I'll take it. I don't deserve it. I don't merit it. You know what I deserve? I deserve hell. You know what I deserve? I deserve separation from Christ. I deserve that. But listen to me, listen to me, beloved, listen to me. He doesn't give you what you deserve. He sends his son to die on the cross for your sins so that you and I might have a relationship with him. Don't be too good for that. Don't be too good for that. In 45 seconds, I'm going to ask, for those of you who've never known Christ, I'm going to ask, if you want a relationship with Christ, to stand. Now, here's what I mean by stand. When you stand, what I'm saying is, I'm saying, when, you're saying, I want Jesus to be the boss of my body. I want him to be the director of my life. That's what you're saying. I want Jesus to be my all and all. You go, I've never done that before. I've never asked Jesus to be, well, this is why we have this opportunity. This is why we have this chance now. So, this is your 
chance. This is your opportunity. You go, but you didn't answer all of my questions. I know, listen to me. I don't have all of my questions answered. Yeah, but I'm not sure I believe everything. Listen, take the little belief. God will accept the little belief that you have. You go, and what do you go, what, what should I believe? Well, here's, here it is. It's this. It's Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead for your salvation. That's what it is. Then we say, if you love me like that, you can be trusted with my life, with my business, with my job, with my kids. You can be trusted with everything. You can be trusted. Surrender your life to him. And so, what it would look like for you, who's sitting here, who doesn't know Christ, it would look like this. Okay, God, here's the truth about me. No more. I'm an onion. Right? I'm no, no more excuses. I, I am sinful. And you don't even just say that. You just, what I did was I literally remembered the one sin I could never be forgiven for. Anybody know what it is? It was that moment when I was six years old. Every one of us have that one thing we think we can't be forgiven for. That one thing we go, God forgives us, but not that much. For me, it was that moment when I was six. Now, listen to me. I've, I've done breaking and enterings. I've stolen cars. I've been violent towards people. I've been violent towards my wife. I'm the worst person in this room. And I stand before you today not as good, but as bought by the blood of Christ. And that can be yours. That can be yours. That can be yours. And so, so, um, it's your time. It's your time. So, in about, in a few seconds, I'm just going to count down. And if you want, and again, Christ, you be the boss. You be the director of my life. Here's my sin. Here's, I, I confess it. That, that day when my mother, the thing that I think that you would never forgive me for, that Saturday night, that Tuesday morning, whatever it is for you, I don't know. Just confess it to God. This is your time. Do business with God. Pray now even. Go, God, could you even forgive me for what I did to my sister? Could you even forgive me for what I did to my mother? Could you even forgive me for what I did yesterday or last week or the lifestyle that I've lived for 15, 30 years, I don't know. You just do business with God. And what you'll hear, listen to me, what you'll hear is, I so love you. Don't say no to that. Don't say no to that. It's going to happen. 10, 9, 8. It's for you. Don't think about the people around you. 7, 6, Five, four, three, two, one. If you want to receive Christ for the first time, would you stand? Praise God, brother. Praise God. 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 Amen. Awesome. Praise God. Awesome. Praise God. 
Praise God. I love that. I love that. Now listen. 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 I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. I love that. Yay. Yay, Jesus. Now listen. Here's what we're going to do. Every one of us had this moment where we just said, okay, Jesus, I want you to be the boss of my body. I want you to lead my life. I want you to, okay. So if that, what we want to do as a church is we're going to help you. We're going to help you grow. We're going to have people calling you and walking with you. Some men are going to walk with you and some women are going to walk with you and just do this together. Because God not only gives us his spirit, but he gives us his people so that we could do this together. What does God think about when he thinks of you? Love. Crazy love. Irrational love. Sacrificial love. Love that can't be stopped or negotiated with. Love that cannot be denied or dissuaded. Love is what he thinks of when he thinks your name. So, let's, if um, we're going to stand and sing, and so would you stand? Now, if you're next to the person who's standing, uh, original to receive Christ, what I want you to do is I want you to appropriately put an arm on their shoulder. Don't freak them out, okay? No neck massages, no back rubs, just a hand on the shoulder. Now, new guys, listen to me, new guys and girls. The reason that we're, the reason that we're doing that is because we want you to know you're not alone. We're doing it together. We're going to walk in Christ together. Us. Let's pray. Father, we, we think of our own salvation with such awe. How you would die on the cross, rise again. How you would change us from an onion that can't be in the fridge to a tree that lives with you forever. Lord, we don't deserve it. We've done nothing to earn it. You've done it all. And we simply respond to all of your work and say thanks. We'll take it. So Lord, you've promised in your word already to grow and lead and never let go. Lord, would you encourage us with that? Would you help us as a church to help these brothers and sisters to grow in Jesus? And would you give us grace? Hmm. Would you give us grace to grow in the love that you've given us, that that love would be more precious for us tomorrow than it is today, that we would see Jesus as more beautiful and treasure than we do today, that we would see the Spirit residing in our heart as more intimate and wonderful than we do today. That that would be our story. And we would be blown away. That we would never forget, for God so loved us. He gave His one and only Son, that whomsoever should believe in Him won't perish, but have everlasting life. 
grow that truth in us, oh God. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.